guys, welcome back to the 12-1 Podcast. My name is Amy Kirkpatrick, and today we're going to be talking about Genesis 16 and the kind of heartbreaking story of Hagar and Ishmael. Welcome back. We are in our Bible study portion of the 12-1 podcast. And um, as you know, we are on Genesis 16. So we're evolving along chapter by chapter. And as I've said before, we're not doing a hard study of every single chapter, but we're kind of doing an overview, looking specifically at God's character um, and how we can look at his character and expect um, that same character to be um, how we interact with God today. Uh, We're also looking at how God interacts with his people. So, you know, when they are struggling and when they are are doubting and all those things that happen, you know, through the Old Testament, we can we can see God interact and give so much grace and um, so much love and and He provides and how He talks with them. And we can kind of look at that and realize that we we honor and serve a God that is is the same God in the Old Testament as He is in the New Testament as He is today. And so we can look at the Old Testament um, and not approach it with fear, but to look at it and kind of see, you know, why did God act the way He did and and is this the same God that we have today? Which is the answer is yes. So we can look at it and we can look at the stories and we can grow and and be encouraged through them. Genesis 15, just as a little recap, we see that the word of the Lord appeared to Abram in a dream. And it's God just reaffirming everything that he's already said. He expounds on the promise that he has given Abram, um, just kind of lifting him up and spurring him along and just helping him to lock eyes on what God has called him to. And uh, and then we, we see that this covenant happens where uh, he asks Abram to prepare these animals, cut them in half, divide them. So Abram falls into a really deep sleep and then uh, God goes and and tells of the future of what his descendants are going to deal with as slaves in Egypt. And uh, so, you know, he's got to deal with that. And then there's that amazing part with the covenant where God is uh, has that flaming fire pot smoking fire pot that passes in between the two parts of animals, uh, signifying a covenant that is being made. And it's being made by God, not not depending or not hinging on Abram in any way, shape, or form, but this is God's covenant, uh, which means it cannot be broken. And uh, so then we're, we're thrown into Genesis 16. Uh, once again, I encourage you um, to read this yourself. I purposely um, am paraphrasing and purposely summarizing um, each chapter because I feel like it's really, really important that you know the word, that you sit down, allow the Holy Spirit to speak through um, you as you are reading and to encourage and challenge you and and give enlightenment into um, context. Um, I encourage you to do commentary, read some commentary, um, pairing up with each passage because that brings a ton of information as well, uh, really opens your eyes to uh, even more of the cultural and historical depth that comes with each passage. Um, so yeah, I'm go- I'm going through this, but I, I hope that you will either stop right now this podcast um, and you will read or that you will, um, at the end of this, we'll sit down and read the text. Do not become lazy in your, in your, um, 
Bible reading and and just hinge on other people reading it to you because that is assuming that you were you were getting the right information or that you are sitting down with the Lord when there's so many distractions that can happen that's different than you sitting in front of your your Bible. Um, so yeah, I, I encourage you to stop and read it now or uh, make sure you read it at the very end of the episode. Genesis 16 um, is kind of a tragic story that I think uh, really shows a lot of heartache and a lot of actions that were taken out of heartache. Uh, And I think it's a great um, chapter to kind of sit in, realizing that when we are struggling the most is when we could possibly make the worst decisions or that we can um, act in the in the poorest ways. And so it's almost to me a little bit of a warning um, in our humanness and how we react in tough situations. So in Genesis 16, Sarai comes up with an idea and she thinks that in some way she can have a family if she um, gives her Egyptian slave, Hagar, to Abram. So she tells Abram all about this great idea that she has and Abram agrees. He sleeps with Hagar and gets her pregnant. Well, when Hagar finds out that she is pregnant, she becomes really, really cold towards Sarai. And, you know, when you look at the text and you look in the original language, um, cold almost means that to be considered unimportant. So she's looking down on Sarai and now there's this this huge feud, this struggle that's happening between the two women, rightly so. This is a tough situation, especially when we look at what's happening in the culture. Uh, And Sarai turns to Abram and she blames him. She says, this is your fault I'm suffering. May the Lord judge between you and me. All right. So now Abram is now in the middle of this, um, this womanly squabble and it's becoming a mess. And so Abram just tells Sarai, look, you handle Hagar the way you want. Um, And unfortunately, Sarai handles Hagar in a very, very poor way. And Hagar eventually just flees um, just the the whole entire situation. And so she's sitting out in the desert and we uh, read about this angel of the Lord that finds Hagar and kind of asks, hey, where'd you come from and where are you going? Well, then Sarai responds and then the angel tells her to go back and submit to Sarai, which had been so insanely tough. And then the angel promises that the descendants of her child will be too numerous to count, which sounds really amazing. But then there's like this short little prophecy there um, about like six or seven lines that talks about what a tough life this child's going to have of being hostile towards other people and everyone else being hostile towards him. Uh, So there's just this really tough thing of her sitting in the desert going, not only do I need to submit to Sarai, who's been so cruel to me, but on top of that, this baby that I have inside of me is going to live an incredibly tough life. And in this prophecy, this angel of the Lord has told Hagar to name the child Ishmael. And so she she loves that. She She's so encouraged by that that she decides that she is going to call the child Ishmael, which means God shall hear, uh, which is really powerful that, you know, in this place that she's in, that she can recognize that her God hears her. So she has the baby. They name him Ishmael. And at this point, Abram is 86 years old. You know, I think Genesis 16 has an opportunity to, um, you know, I think Genesis 16 uh, offers an opportunity to be really, really critical of two characters in Abram and Sarai and and be able to look at them and kind of judge how they made decisions. But I think also it offers an opportunity 
of showing a lot of grace and realizing that we each have a little piece of us in them, that we've all um, faced up against some sort of challenge that um, we didn't handle well either. And when I when I sit there and look at the fact that they are going to be waiting 25 years for this child, this promised child, you know, they're in the ultimate waiting game. And in the culture that we're in today, where we want immediate results, we want things fast, we want God to respond in a way that fits our wants, our desires, but also comes in a comfy package and it comes when we ask for it. Um, this story is the exact opposite of that exact desire of our heart. And, you know, to sit there and look at these two people and sit there and, and judge the actions that they've taken in a situation that I don't know how anybody in our culture today could possibly sit for that long in something that was so important to them. Um, I don't know. I feel like we should offer a little bit of grace and look at the story a little bit more in the humanness of them, um, maybe in a way that we can relate and go, you know what, I'm I'm reading about myself. I'm reading about my own struggle in waiting um, for something that, you know, I've been praying for. And then on top of that, to see how God reacts and God, how God comes alongside them. And so, you know, one of the things I think that we underestimate um, in Abram and Sarai's life is the the level of peer pressure that they would have had, uh, you know, as they are, you know, their entire culture is built on having children and heritage. Uh, this would have been a massive, massive deal for them to not have children. And you know, I think it's very easy just to sit there and go, well, they just kind of put, you know, the situation into their own hands. But I don't I don't think anybody can possibly understand the pressure of expectation from friends and family, um, how the privilege just um, the privileges are revoked or held hostage from them, how anger, resentment and being outcasted might have happened. Um, how about like advice and suggestions Uh, that is unsolicited. You know, I feel like almost all of us can sit in their situation and we can almost hear the people chirping on our ears. Well, why don't you, why don't you go ahead and have the servant have a baby with your husband? And, you know, all of this stuff that just comes from the outside world. Sometimes I don't think the waiting game is all that hard on our own. If it was just us, if it was just our situation and we're locked in on God and we're just trying to be true to that, I think it's a lot different than hearing all the outside world offer opinions and thoughts and judgment and pressure um, when you when that's not something you're even asking for. You know, it just comes and it comes in a way that just feels like you can't bear the weight of what people are asking or what people are demanding or what people are expecting of you. And so in a culture where having children was absolutely everything I can't imagine what Abram and Sarai had to deal with as far as waiting this long. And, you know, their heart, you see it at, at, in the beginning, their heart is to honor the Lord and to wait patiently for the Lord. But you can see that as time wears on, that it becomes more and more of a joke. We see Sarai laugh, right? Um, and now we see this circumstance where they start to take things into their own hands and I don't know. I just I just think there's a lot of grace uh, to be had for, you know, these two individuals and just looking at the decisions they made and um, and how in our own lives, you know, we probably wouldn't um, do much better. And maybe maybe some of you out there are listening going, oh, I can do that. But um, for those that I know that are in the waiting game, um, I know some people that are really um, frustrated with the position of life right now. Um, and 
you know, as you're sitting in that spot, it's very hard to be content. It's very hard to find joy in that. Uh, and I, and the other part of that too, is I think that is really a tough thing is that so often, you know, when we're in that waiting game, it seems like there's always, um, a moment when the devil (laughs) brings an opportunity for release. He brings an option for us to get out of the hardship of what we're dealing with. He brings some scenario where we feel like, gosh, if I could just do this, I would feel so much better. Uh, You know, maybe that's a picking colleges, you know, and you're just like, "Ah, if I just go to community college, I've just, it would just be solved. You know, I, I know what I'm doing financially. I just have my answer and then I can relax. Or, you know, maybe it's something like us where, you know, we're moving and, you know, it makes so much more sense if we could just buy a house. So we just know where, you know, our foundation is and we know where our home is. But, you know, the Lord hasn't determined that. The Lord hasn't given us that yet, that information. And so it would feel so much easier. It feels so much better just to go ahead and take action. And I believe in my own heart that that's what happened here, that it would just felt better. It felt like the pressure that was within their own hearts would just be released and they'd feel like the floodgates were open and ever and the water would just flow out and they'd be able to breathe again if they just had a child. Um, it wouldn't have to be God's promised child, just a child. And so that's kind of what what I'm looking in this is just with the with the eyes of grace, uh, looking at you know how much I'm struggling in my own ways of you know dealing with the waiting game, and this is this is a time frame you know decades longer, and on top of that, so much more pressure into it. So as we're sitting here talking about, you know, taking action in something instead of waiting, um, trying to take a route that uh, eases the pressure of the situation we're in, we see them, we see them take action. We see that Sarai offers this idea. Abram sleeps with Hagar. Hagar becomes pregnant. And all of a sudden there's all this strife and this, this struggle where um, Hagar has to run. She has to flee from them, which... First off, that is not at all what God has called them to to be and how they're supposed to act. And so um, that just all by itself just really shows that, you know, when we go and try to take an out, when we um, try to make it easier, what God is calling us to do, that we are actually putting ourselves in a position where we're going to make things really, really messy. This whole circumstance, if you think about it, doesn't even happen if if uh, Abram hadn't gone to Egypt in the first place and brought slaves home with him. So now he went to Egypt and we kind of talked about it before, was it right to go? Um, a lot of people argue that because of the things that are happening in this um, in this chapter, that it shows that he wasn't supposed to go to Egypt. But um, as I said before, it's not really the point of what I'm studying here. But so he brings this woman back, this slave back um, to serve Sarai. And then Sarai takes action. And through taking action, instead of waiting, instead of being patient, she brings all the struggle and this issue into her life. And so now this woman, Hagar, is entangled in this messy, um, heartbreaking story. And she's pregnant. Um, and, you know, all this wouldn't be around, but, you know, on top of that, it also shows, it kind of identifies the ugliness in every single person's heart that through this circumstance of what the, they have decided to do, it also reveals just 
um, how rotten Sarai is in the way of how she treats Hagar. And then, you know, we also see Abram and how he is allowing this to happen. And now he's got strife with his wife and he's just doesn't even deal with the situation. Just, yeah, you just go handle your slave. And and it's how passive he is. And we're just starting to see um, personality come out that isn't the most flattering for both of them. And then we hear about this prophecy of Ishmael and how he's going to have this really tough life and how he is going to have animosity towards others and others towards him and how that's going to go down through his lineage. And we can talk about that for days, but uh, we're not going to. But uh, we're seeing all this entanglement, all this web of issues that are happening as uh, Abram and Sarai have taken this all into their own hands and have kind of taken control. You know, I wonder if anybody read the verses 13 through 16 and didn't gulp a little bit at the end when God asked Hagar to go back and submit to Sarai. You know, reading that, I kind of hear it and I kind of pause at the end of it just because it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem right because, you know, as we're hearing about Hagar, we, we're kind of champions for her. We want we want things to go well for her because it's not fair that she was brought into this thing, this situation, and it's ugly and it's not right. And, uh, and we want to see the Lord do something to change and make it better. But we also don't get to see everything that God is doing in that. And so it's really important to realize that we can pray for change. But with that, we also need to be obedient to God's calling us into action. Like we need to be aware that, you know, as we are petitioning before the Lord for something to happen, that we also need to be open to the fact that God may not answer that because he knows what's absolutely best. He knows what's more important to the plan. Uh, and so it's really easy to kind of sit in that moment and just be like, gosh, that doesn't, that doesn't feel right. But as Hagar is pleading for help, right, she's a pregnant woman in the desert um, trying to figure out what she's going to do next. You know, she probably would have preferred a solution where she didn't have to go back and see Sarai again. Um, that was going to be the most uncomfortable thing to do. That was going to be the most humiliating. That was going to be the one where she was going to have to go back and submit herself to somebody she probably didn't feel like was fair or was uh, it was just to go and do that. But the solution was to do what she wanted to do least. That's the thing that God ended up asking her to do. Uh, and I, I want to pause on that for a second because, you know, as we're looking at God's character and how he interacts with us and as we are trying to navigate, you know, how to talk with the Lord and hear him lead us, we have to each sit in this story and, and think, you know, are we willing to hear the thing that God, um, that we don't want to hear God say the most? You know, are we submitted? Are we surrendered to do the things that we we hate the most, the things that would feel the most painful? And are we willing to still follow the Lord and still do what he asks us to do, regardless of whether it's our greatest desire? Is it the desire of the Lord that matters most or us? You know, we often want a change of our situation. We pray, Lord, fix this, change this, um, take me somewhere else, whatever it may be. Uh, we often want that change, but it's often that God asks us to change our heart. And that's what's happening here, right? Uh, Hagar's being asked to go back and submit to Sarai and have a change of heart, not necessarily towards Sarai. I'm sure that's part of it, forgiveness or whatever. But I think it's a change of heart in how she is following the Lord, walking behind him instead of in front of him and asking him to, to meet or to, you know, tag along. And so, you know, so much of our prayers can be, you know, asking the Lord and petitioning for him to just do the, what's in our heart. 
right? And then when we don't hear stuff, right? And if we don't, if our relationship becomes shallow because, you know, he's not answering us, then we got to stop and wonder if he's, if he wants to talk about something different than what we want to talk about, right? She could have sat in the desert forever and said, Lord, fix this, Lord, fix this. And as the Lord says, well, you need to go back. She goes, that's fine. I'm not going back. And then she continues, Lord, fix this, Lord, fix this, Lord, fix this, right? The Lord's saying, well, I already told you what my desire is, you know, and there can be this disconnect and there can be this separation that's happening because of us not being obedient to what he's asking us. And so we see that Hagar is going to be committed to going back and she does. And so I don't know, there's, there's a lot in here that I think we can be really critical of, but I commend Hagar for being willing to listen to the Lord's calling and to go back and insist on Um, being willing to do what the Lord has called her to do. So I'm just going to go ahead and pray for all of you guys. And uh, you don't need to close your eyes, but um, just take in uh, the prayer as it's being spoken over you. And I hope it just encourages you. Father God, as we read in Genesis 16, we hear um, the hardships that come with the waiting game. For all my listeners who are sitting in the waiting game or will someday sit in the waiting game of that long-term prayer request that just seems just to be out there with no return or that we are just waiting for that promise to happen, Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us just to sit still and be calm in the waiting, that you'd help us to be content and uh, to to be able to focus our eyes on you as we sit and just... um, and be patient and just expectant of what you can possibly do, Father. I mean, as we hear the story of Sarai and Abram and Hagar, Father, I pray, Lord, that you will show us in our own ways how we are trying to take control or we are trying to find a way out of the pressure of the waiting game, that you will help us, Lord, to stay true to what you are asking us to do, to be still instead of taking action, Lord, taking control and asking you to follow along. Father God, I pray uh, for your amazing grace, Father, as we may fail, as we may struggle, and that you will help us, Lord, to come Come back to that place of waiting and to sit uh, humbly in your shadow as you move in front of us, Lord, rather than uh, walking out front. And I pray, Father God, that you would just give us um, just a gentle heart and a heart that's willing um, to sit and to endure, um, knowing that you are a God that creates miracles, that you are a God that creates freedom. You are a God that will provide. You are a God that will bring comfort. You are a God that will prevail in every way. So help us, Lord, just to uh, focus our attention in on the God that you are and that you always will be um, and that you will deliver us, that you will redeem us, that you will um, come and save us, Lord. Uh, We call you our Savior. You're already our Savior. So let us believe that on a daily basis as we sit in our struggle rather than um, thinking that that one-time saving happened, but now we're not sure of your power. Let us be strong in what we know of you, Lord. Speak truth into us. Lift our hearts, Father, and help us just to endure what you are asking us to endure, Lord, um, for your glory for um, your name to be lifted up, Father God. I thank you so much for the work that you're doing in us and how you fight for us, Lord. You are brilliant and amazing in every way, and we pray all of this in your glorious name. Amen.
you so much for listening, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you're enjoying the Bible study. You know, this is something that I'm really passionate about. So I hope that you guys are also gaining from it as well. If you guys have any questions or comments or you have any struggles or something that you need encouragement in, feel free to email me. I would love to talk with you guys. My email is 121podcast at gmail.com. It's all spelled out, no numbers. Uh, Go ahead and send me a message. I would love, I would love to help you out in whatever you're going through. Uh, You guys have a great day and God bless. Thank you.